you know, we live in kind of a weird bubble in time when we're not eating fermented foods on a regular basis. And so our bodies have lost that feeling they get when they consume living bacteria or vitamins or nutrition in a living form. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and it is my pleasure to introduce you today to the kombucha mama, Hannah Crum. Hey Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ella. Excited to be here. Listen, anyone named the kombucha mama has got to be a guest on my podcast, Hannah. Well, from what I understand, you've got uh, quite a healthy habit going there, Ella. (laughs) Well, some would call it a habit. Others would call it an addiction. And some people, Hannah, don't even know what kombucha is. So I promise you we will talk about that. But let me first tell you that Hannah, otherwise known as the Kombucha Mama, is the founder of Kombucha Camp, the most visited website in the world for quality kombucha information, recipes, and supplies. Hannah, you have a partner. I think I want to say Alex. Is that right? That's right. He is. What are you and Alex up to? And tell us who you are and what you guys do. Absolutely. So um, we started Kombucha Camp. I started it back in 2004 just as a way to teach people about kombucha. And, um, you know, I fell in love with this stuff and my thirst outgrew my budget. And I knew that would happen to other people. So I really wanted to help educate them on how easy and safe it is to make this stuff at home. And then we have gone on to found uh, Kombucha Brewers International, which is a trade association representing all of the kombucha brewers out there. Because I don't know about you, Ella, I first discovered kombucha by grabbing a bottle off the shelf at the store. And uh, I was so grateful that it was in my area. And we just want everyone everywhere to have access to it. And then we've also just um, penned the big book of kombucha, which is 400 pages all about the subject, uh, including recipes and how to's and um, a lot of research tied back to the research papers on kombucha. Um, And that's set to come out March of next year. So we've just been busy with the education and trying to get the knowledge out. Well, Hannah, some people are sitting here going, what is kombucha? So of course we're going to dive into why we're even talking about this, but Hannah, what is kombucha? It's real easy, Ella. It's uh, fermented tea. So I know that those two words together might sound weird and you're probably (laughs) thinking, what does that mean? Well, just like yogurt is fermented milk right? We put a culture into the milk. It then changes it into this new delicious tangy product. And that's what we do with kombucha, except in the case of kombucha, instead of milk, we're using sweet tea. And instead of um, the bacteria that we would put in there, we're using our SCOBY, which is an acronym for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Um, But the bacteria build this cellulose pellicle, which is our mother, is another name for it. Um, And uh, the yeast are all embedded within and throughout. And they also hang from off the culture in these brown strands. So we put all that into our sweet tea. We give it about a week. After that, when it has the sweet sour flavor that we like best, we go ahead and and, uh, harvest it. It will have reproduced at that time. So uh, brewing kombucha at home is literally infinite abundance in practice because as long as we care for it and, and feed it, it is going to keep producing and making more of itself. 
Okay, so for the people who are unindoctrinated, this might sound even a little bit gross. And so for those of us who have had kombucha before, and yes, Hannah, my story, my kombucha story is that I just picked it up at Whole Foods once upon a time, and I was like, what is this fizzy, fruity goodness? And uh, my addiction was born. Absolutely love the stuff, and I know it has so many health benefits, and some people are critics of kombucha, and so we're here today to talk about this one little thing that might be worth adding to your diet, might be worth learning about how to brew it at home, and Hannah is our expert, and we are all about the kombucha today. Well, your story is similar to a lot of people's, Ella. I love it first sip, Um, whereas for other people, their first sip was kind of an interesting experience. They might have had kombucha face, which is uh, (laughs) the face you get when you've uh, licked a lemon or something like that. But more often than not, even if somebody experiences that intense uh, first flavor of kombucha, they're often circling back and coming back for another sip because what kombucha does is what humans have expected out of their fermented drinks for millennia. You know, we live in kind of a weird bubble in time when we're not eating fermented foods on a regular basis. And so our bodies have lost that feeling they get when they consume living bacteria or vitamins or nutrition in a living form. So when people experience that again, they get really jazzed and excited. And it's like every nerve ending feels electric and alive. And it's that sensation that brings people back again and again. Well, let's talk about just the reputation that kombucha has for being beneficial. Can you explain a little bit as to why kombucha is so good for you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, let's see what it's made of. It's made from tea. Tea is the most popular beverage in the world. It's consumed in every culture around the world. And the only thing that's consumed more is water. So tie in antioxidants. It has anti-cancer properties. So we're already starting with something that's incredibly nutritious for us. Now we've added that extra component of fermentation. As you, as you mentioned, you know, we're woefully lacking in uh, the bacteria and yeast that help support our bodies and give us healthy functioning. Um, you know, it's really exciting to see all of the research on the human microbiome, which is basically your gut and all of the the whole ecosystem of bacteria that live in there, not to mention they literally cover every single surface of this planet. In fact, everything is bacteria powered. When you get right down to it, even plants, the way they uptake nutrition is by bacteria interfacing at the roots. So if you think about your your stomach as your soil and uh, the food that you're eating as being part of, of what the bacteria needs to help you break down and uh, pass that nutrition onto you, it makes a lot of sense why fertilizing your soil with a lot of healthy bacteria makes sense in terms of feeling good and having a healthy, healthy feeling. Now, it's also an acetic acid ferment. That probably sounds familiar if you have ever had apple cider vinegar. Um, Vinegar is an acetic ferment and so uh, that's where this tanginess comes in. So if you distill it down to the real basic components, it's tea vinegar that we're drinking. So we know all the health benefits of tea. We know all the health benefits of vinegar. We add that live bacteria in there. It's no wonder this stuff is a powerhouse when it comes to making you feel good. So Hannah, is it sort of like taking a probiotic? Like how can you, what can you compare this to in our day-to-day life? 
Absolutely. It is like taking a probiotic. But see, here's the funny thing. Probiotics are are like the opposite of what we would want to be taking. Now, I'm not saying that there's no benefit to taking probiotics. Certainly folks who aren't getting their fermented foods in any form or fashion will benefit from populating their gut with healthy organisms. However, when we look at all of human evolution and how we came into being, we evolved with bacteria and yeast. We evolved with fermented foods. And when we consume them in these food-sized portions, we get the appropriate ratio for what our bodies need in that moment. So when it comes to adding fermented foods to your diet, we're not saying only add kombucha. We're saying add kombucha, add kefir, add uh, yogurt, add sauerkraut, add all of these different types of healthy foods to your plate and your body is going to receive a net benefit. Okay. I'm going to share some of the health benefits of kombucha that you talk about on your site. And then you add to this where possible. You say that it makes a good substitute for sugary sodas or multiple trips to the coffee pot. That is so true. (laughs) I think kombucha is such a good uh, step for people who are trying to wean themselves from soda. Have you seen that too, Hannah? Absolutely. You know, a couple years ago, we did something called the 30-Day Kombucha Challenge. And in that, we challenged people to give up their soda, give up their coffee for 30 days. Now, that can be an emotionally tough uh, thing to give up because so often we reach for those in our time of boredom or our time of needing a little energy and pick me up. So letting go of that can be really tough, especially when you consider all the addicting chemicals they put into diet sodas and things like that. So when people went through this challenge um, and they were drinking the kombucha, first of all, of course, they reported that they felt terrific. They had a lot of energy. They were really amazed by how good they were feeling. And a lot of that comes from the healthy acids in kombucha. It helps with digestion. So if you think about if it takes a lot of time to digest your food and you feel sleepy and tired and all the blood's going to your gut, of course, you're not going to have as much energy. So anything you're adding that improves that digestive process and makes it easier for your body to absorb the nutrition, that energy is now freed up and you have more energy there. Plus the B vitamins in living form give you that energy. And in fact, some people say they'll get like a little mini kombucha buzz and they, you know, they're like, Woo, I feel a little euphoric. Oftentimes that's from the B vitamins as people who get B vitamin shots report a similar feeling. You take all that healthy, good stuff and you replace those sodas. And then at one point in the challenge, like three weeks in, we said, okay, now go back and drink that soda. And people were afraid, right? Because they're like, oh man, I gave this up. I don't want to go back to it. But what happens is you taste it and you taste it for what it really is. And you realize, oh man, this soda is nasty. It tastes terrible. Why am I even drinking this? And it's only because your body has become accustomed to it that you're even consuming it in the first place. And it really helped people see that, you know what, soda doesn't have to have a hold on me because now that I taste it for what it really is, I don't want to put that yuck in my body. How does kombucha benefit some of the organs that receive a benefit when you drink kombucha? So talk to me about like the liver. I think you even talk about relieving headaches and migraines. How does kombucha, why is it so miraculous? Well, it's remembering this, you know, it's only miraculous because we eat so much stuff that makes us feel terrible. So it's miraculous when you compare it to that. It's actually just a normal, nutritious, healthy food like every other food out there when we consume it in a balanced diet. 
the but in terms of those acids specifically kombucha makes gluconic and glucuronic acid glucuronic acid is made by the body but not in sufficient quantities to help us to detoxify fully so um, glucuronic acid the way that it works is it will bond to toxic molecules so this would be you know any kind of pharmaceuticals any kind of external chemicals that you're consuming everything goes to the liver first before it passes to the bloodstream so the liver is that filter it's holding all that yucky stuff back so it doesn't get into your body well it gets overloaded with yucky stuff because what we've got poison in the air we've got poison in the water we got poison in the food supply we got poison in our beauty products I mean we are literally inundated by toxic chemicals everywhere we turn so kombucha what glucuronic acid does is it bonds to those toxic molecules and once the bond is created it can't be broken so then as you drink water through hydrolysis those leave your body through the process of elimination so when you consume something that cleans the filter you can imagine how much better the entire body feels and so we never say that kombucha cures anything kombucha cleans you out it rebalances your body so that your immune system can do what it's there to do which is protect you okay that makes perfect sense and i have some questions for you from readers who after in a recent episode um, i think it's episode 55 we had magdalena shalaki on and she talked a lot about candida and she's very very knowledgeable but she scared us to death because she said that kombucha can have very negative effects if you are suffering from candida and hannah i have to tell you that has proven to be the case for me personally i have had that experience talk to us a little bit about kombucha in light of other gut conditions you might have going on. Absolutely. Anyone who's got a healthy immune system can drink kombucha with no issue. Now, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of people who are sick or who have gut dysbiosis and candida overgrowth is one of many ways in which we experience that. So candida is a normal yeast that lives in the human body and is supposed to be there. So it's not like we want to eradicate it all out of there. But what happens is when we take pharmaceuticals or antibiotics or, or other things that cause, that kill everything off in your gut, including the good stuff, what happens is there's nothing to hold that yeast in check and it runs wild and it overtakes your whole system. Well, um, kombucha does have known candidicides. However, the catch is you need to ferment it to the point where it tastes sour. Because if you only drink it when it still tastes sweet, the problem is is some of that residual sugar might have a negative effect on the candida present in your body. However, kombucha contains phenethyl alcohol as well as caprylic acid, both of which are known to help keep candida in check. And it's also been shown to be antifungal as well. So in terms of not being able to consume kombucha when you have candida, it's all about, well, what kind of kombucha are you drinking? And that's where homebrew is really going to serve you best because you are in full control of the process and you decide when the kombucha has that tangy flavor that will help to keep your body in balance. Now, I'm not saying this is a one size fits all. Every single person should do this. You have to listen to your body. And I think as science and research is pointing out, the more we're listening to our own biofeedback, the easier it is for us to determine what are the things we're including in our diet or lifestyle that are contributing to us feeling terrible. The problem is for most people, that feedback loop is simply broken. They're putting things in their body, they feel terrible, and they don't understand that it's because of the types of food that they're consuming that's leading them to feel this way. And so what we like to tell people is start drinking kombucha first thing in the morning on an empty stomach and feel, observe, how does it make your body feel to consume it? If it feels good, if it feels supportive, then you want to continue with that. 
If it makes you have a die-off reaction or you have some other reaction to it, then listen to your body. You may need to decrease the amount of that so that your gut can repair and then you can incorporate kombucha. You know, again, it's listening to your body. It's not assuming that one thing is going to cure every single ailment. Healing is a journey. It's like layers of an onion. And so we just want to start with something that's easy to use. And most people find they can. Um, but for those who find drinking commercial kombucha or another kombucha is leading to this type of issue, you just kind of want to reexamine how sweet is that kombucha. And also, you know, if you let it get a little tangier, are you going to have a different kind of effect in your body? Okay, good. So there's hope. There is. There's a lot of hope. And, you know, not not everything is going to work for everybody. Not everybody wants to eat liver. Not everybody wants to, uh, you know, even eat meat or whatever it is. But point being, there's nutritional inputs for everybody out there. And we don't have to be, oh, no, not this one. Oh, no, this one. You know, there's no point in that. It's listen to your body. Let your body tell you what you need. And Hannah, that's good advice, no matter what food we are actually talking about. So thank you for that. Okay, we had two more frequently asked questions. The first one is, you mentioned alcohol. You mentioned alcohol as a component of the kombucha. Now, talk to us about what you meant when you said that alcohol is present in there and actually helps kill off bad bacteria or bad yeast. And then tell us about whether kombucha is in fact fermented to the point of having an alcoholic content. So um, alcohol is a nutrient. Now, I know that might sound like an oxymoron. It is. (laughs) It's a vital nutrient. Again, we evolved with bacteria and yeast. Yeast is the B vitamins in living form, if I said again and again. But yeast also create trace amounts of alcohol. Um, So all fermented foods are going to have trace amounts of alcohol. It's, you know, when you get into your beers and wines where there are much higher percentages of alcohol, those are different types of organisms that are specifically propagated to yield higher quantities of alcohol. But all of the naturally fermented drinks, again, the ginger ale, the the root beers, the water kefirs, all of those, the kvasas, all of those drinks have trace amounts of alcohol, usually not more than what you'd find in fruit juice. And it serves a nutritional benefit as well because there's two things that cause uh, illness, disease, right? Diet and stress. So if we are getting our nutrition in a living form as we are with the kombucha, the alcohol also thins the blood and makes it easier for you to absorb that nutrition. Alcohol is our original medicine. It's what we put herbs into so that we could extract their nutritional value and that's what we took through tinctures and cough syrups, right? That's exactly what that is. And uh, what we've lost though is through kind of this prohibition mentality is is that um, you know alcohol is something that can help support healthy function and there's numerous studies showing to regular consumption of alcohol does lead to a healthier lifestyle overall. Now, of course, like everything, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Like when you overconsume alcohol or when you overconsume uh, kale or anything, sure. you know, can have a negative effect in the body. But in, in the case of kombucha, what it's doing is it's serving as a preservative. So it's preventing other organisms from colonizing. It's thinning the blood. So it passes the nutrition to you more quickly. And it also relaxes right? So when I first drink that sip of kombucha in the morning on my empty stomach, within five to 10 minutes, I literally feel as if my organs, my stomach relaxes. And you know, how else do you cultivate that that type of inner relaxation? That's really the benefit of, of alcohol and kombucha. Now, can it be potentially over our legally defined limit of alcohol? Absolutely, because that limit is incredibly tiny. 
It's 0.5% alcohol. That's half a percent. The thing is, is that it's non-inebriating. Like the, the healthy acids in kombucha support healthy liver function. So whereas higher levels of alcohol when consumed, uh, when over-consumed will have a net negative effect on the liver, which is what causes your hangover and makes you feel terrible. Kombucha supports a healthy liver. So we love actually making kombucha cocktails because it's like having a little antidote with our poison. We can enjoy all of the benefits of the alcohol while reducing the negative side effects um, and also consuming something that then helps to support coming back to sobriety more quickly. Well, if you were twisting my arm, I would tell you that kombucha mixed with a hint of vodka is a really nice cocktail. <laughs> well, the great thing is, is our book has 50 cocktail recipes, so everyone can give it a try. <laughs> it's all about the antioxidants, all about the antioxidants. I'm hoping that everyone will have these delicious, healthy cocktails. And we've already seen how people are bringing in, you know, from the farmer's market, the fresh fruit, the fresh herbs. We're infusing spirits with things. I mean, I feel like people are kind of re-embracing this really creative yet healthy side of, of, of this type of um, enjoyment and relaxation. All right. Let's talk about the sugar. It takes sugar to make kombucha, to make the fermenting process happen. Right, Hannah? Absolutely. And this is sugar is also a nutrient. Now, granted, that's not the same as table sugar. But the point is, is we have this tendency to demonize things because we're not considering the source. Right now, people are telling you sugar is bad. It's the, you know, avoid it like the plague. But in fact, we need some amount of sugar in our bodies. And it's what type and in what form. If we're only getting it in a chemicalized high fructose corn syrups, you know, any of those weird chemical sugars they're putting out there for the low calories, that's the wrong type of sugar. You don't don't want to be consuming that. You know, what our bodies really crave is bitter and sour. The only reason we have this dominant sugar flavor is because it's been overutilized in our processed food source and it's moved everyone's palates and their pHs to a different place. And so when they taste something that's sour, they think, oh my gosh, that's terrible. When in fact, that's exactly what your body wants. And so the sugar is for the culture. It's not for you. So let's say you're making kombucha at home. You make your sweet tea. It's one cup of sugar per gallon. That's the standard ratio. If you taste that, it's not even as sweet as Southern sweet tea, but it is really sweet. Um, Yeah. I mean, a cup of sugar is a lot of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. And yet as the fermentation process goes along, and we always encourage people taste along the way because that will help you see how the flavor changes and how the sugar is consumed over time. It continues to get tangier and tangier and tangier. And if you let it go long enough, it'll end up as kombucha vinegar, which has lots of great uses. But um, point being, you are able to perceive that shift. Interesting. Okay. So let me make sure I understand. And sorry if I'm making you repeat yourself, but I just want to make sure that we neophytes here understand this. You use a cup of sugar because that's how you feed the SCOBY, feed the fermentation process. Is that right? Absolutely. And thanks for asking. So here's what happens. This is a symbiosis. So the first thing that happens is the yeast gets to work on the sugar. So sugar sucrose is made up of two molecules, fructose and glucose. So the first thing it's doing is it's breaking those molecules apart into the fructose and glucose. So first of all, it's a lower glycemic load than if you were just consuming table sugar because all of that sugar has been broken in half and it's starting to be fermented. Now that sugar also gets utilized by both the bacteria and the yeast. So the yeast will be creating CO2, which are our bubbles, letting us know that you know, 
good stuff is here. And that's my favorite part, by the way, yes. the bubbles. <laughs> They're so good. And then it'll also create the trace amounts of alcohol. Now, we are bacterial sapiens, and the bacteria come in, and they consume the alcohol and turn it into healthy acids. They also consume some of the glucose, and that's where our gluconic and glucuronic acids come in. And so it's important that we okay. use sugar in the process because sugar is what gets us to the healthy acids we're looking for. You know, so what you end up with is, I would say, probably – eight to 12 grams per eight ounces. And that's just a rough estimate um, based on the fermentation process and that being a properly fermented kombucha. And in fact, I misspoke about those sugar grams. It's actually less than that. It's more like four to eight grams per eight ounce serving in a properly fermented kombucha. Yeah, that sounds right. The sugar content on the store-bought kombucha is floating between three grams to about eight or 10 grams per eight ounces. So that sounds about right. And what you're saying is you might be pouring a cup of sugar into that gallon of liquid, the sugar is feeding the fermentation and you end up with a net result with far reduced sugar back into the normal realm. Exactly right. I mean, think about it. When when wine goes into the bottle, it's grape juice. It's really right. sweet because that is what feeds the the yeast that are turning it into the wine and dry it up over time in that in that environment. In fermentation, this is the process. The process is sugars are converted into other nutritional components. Okay, fantastic. That's a common misconception, and I just wanted to clear it up. So thank you for deep diving into that one with us, Hannah. Absolutely. Oh, I had one more. I can't leave this one alone. Is kombucha safe for pregnant or nursing moms? Is yogurt safe? Is sauerkraut safe? The short answer is, of course, it's safe. Again, people have been consuming these foods since time immemorial. And again, anytime we're going back and consuming the foods that our ancestors ate, you're probably getting your nutrition in a more viable living form. Um, there's been a lot of research and studies showing that processed foods simply are not nutritious and they don't have the elements that we're looking for when we eat. I mean, sure, we eat for fun. We eat because it tastes good. But the true reason why we eat is because our body needs nutritional inputs. And so that's always whenever you're looking at what am I what is it I'm putting in my body today is it something that's going to support my health does it have nutrition in a living form or am I just enjoying it for the flavor it's not saying you can't enjoy those foods from time to time because they do have a pleasure associated with them it's just remembering is this going to give me the nutrition I need now here's the thing again trust your gut I've had friends who love kombucha got pregnant couldn't stand the smell of it don't drink it. <laughs> That's your body saying, I don't want this right now. So listen to your body. Other women have told me, oh my gosh, I crave kombucha through my entire pregnancy. I drink it while breastfeeding. It helped my breast milk flow better. I mean, if you look in Europe, they, you know, as soon as a woman gives birth, they're handing her a beer so that she can have yeast, her nutrition and living form. She can feel more relaxed and it allows the milk to flow more freely. It's, it's really here in the U.S. where we're so kind of um, still not in a space of knowledge and understanding around the nutritional benefits. I had no idea. I totally would have flown across to the continent to have my son if I had had that information. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, you finish a marathon, they hand you a beer. You finish, you know, popping out another living creature, somebody ought to be handing you a beer. I'm all in favor. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. I bet the misconceptions around pregnancy and kombucha consumption have to do with the misconceptions around the alcohol and the sugar. So I'm really glad that you're able to dispel those myths as well. Thanks, Hannah. 
Absolutely. Well, and again, those B vitamins in living form, some have found that those B vitamins help to reduce morning sickness. So for some people, there is a real benefit that's being, for some women, they have incredible digestive issues as a result of being pregnant. So anything that's helping to keep everything moving, moving freely is something you should probably be incorporating, provided again, that biofeedback your body is giving you is this is working for me. Yes. Listen to your body, your own body, not somebody else's body on the internet. Please. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So you mentioned that this is easy to make at home. And now you are speaking to someone who is absolutely remedial in the kitchen. So making a cup of brewed herbal tea is like something I can commit to, but <laughs> making my own kombucha is a little bit intimidating. So tell me why this is no big deal. Here we go. We got a little song. Kombucha tea. Easy as one, two, three. <laughs> Brew sweet tea, add a scoby, wait a week, and then repeat. It is literally that easy, Ella. If you can brew tea, you can make kombucha. All you're doing is making sweet tea. You put your little scoby in there. You float it in there with your cup of starter liquid. Now there's a couple other things to consider. You want to make sure it has the right temperature, right? Just like it's got a nursery, a little home. It needs to be nice and warm. In a week, 10 days, again, depending on your taste preference, and that's where you'll start to see little bubbles popping up. You're going to see yeast strands hanging down. Everything's going to look weird and strange. Uh, but really, that's as hard as it gets. And yes, it can look weird, but <laughs> it is perfectly safe. And of course, if anyone has any doubt at all, take a picture, send Send it to us. We're always happy to help you identify what you're looking at, empower you to feel confident in this process. Because again, this is our, our ancient practice. And it's only because grandma hasn't showed us how to do it that we've forgotten how easy and safe it is. Okay. Can I just come over? Yes. <laughs> that sounds easier. <laughs> no. It really, well, and especially for moms, you know, what happens is kids love kombucha. Yeah, you know, they haven't been as exposed to as much sugar as we have as adults, right? So their palates are closer to enjoying what it is we, we actually seek, which are those sour and bitter flavors. So kids love the sour tangy flavor. Now you start making it at home. They see they can get it from the tap. Then you teach them how to make it and they're helping helping with the, with the process. You're also getting a little mini science lesson and all of that. So moms really love it because it saves so much money. You don't need to buy sodas, juices, all kinds of other beverages, and you can have so much creativity and with different flavors with the kombucha. Well, thank you so much for the rapid fire kombucha 101. This is exactly what I wanted to share with everybody just to give them the basics and to maybe entice a few people who haven't learned anything about this before. But Hannah, I still have two questions for you. The first question is, what is one habit in this realm, something you'd like us to practice for one week, just to like baby step into this? I mean, it would be, if you can, grab a bottle of kombucha at your local store. You know, it's not just health stores that are carrying it anymore. Because kombucha is becoming so popular and people love it so much, you can also find it at many mainstream grocery stores as well as some of the big box stores like Costco. So um, I would say find a couple bottles of kombucha and just try some different flavors, try some different brands. Because the, the neat thing about it being a brewed craft beverage is very much like, you know, wine and beer. You have how many Merlots on a shelf, how many IPAs, and they all 
all taste different. The same is true of kombucha in the bottle. So first, go out and grab yourself some kombucha and just have a little bit every day and just notice how does this make me feel. And if you can, you know, not have your soda or not have your coffee just for that one week and see what kind of difference you observe in your body. You're right. Uh, The different brands, the different flavors taste very, very different. So if you make kombucha face after drinking one, then just try a different flavor. Exactly. And Hannah, this is just a personal preference. I like the green ones, but that is not where I would start somebody on a kombucha green. You know, it, it's a, an acquired taste. Sometimes those chias can be weird too. So uh, pick, you know, everyone really loves ginger for the most part. If you're a ginger ale yeah. fan, go for the ginger. It, ginger also has terrific health benefits with digestion, reducing inflammation, etc. And all of that is passed on to you in the brew. So just give that a try, like a little ginger ale. I know it's a little pricey, but that's why we always say when your thirst outgrows your budget, that's when you come to us and we're always happy to, uh, to get your good habit going. Yeah, I call the green one dirty lake water. But it's actually one of it's my good. favorites. It's one of my favorites. It has like this this alkaline flavor in your mouth. It's really tasty. Who, I like. who knew I like dirty lake water? Well, we, hey, we evolved from the pond, so it makes sense that we want a little pond water every once yeah, in a while. I'm still working on that. Okay, one resource, Hannah, that you want to share with everybody. Absolutely. I would check out Food Renegade. Um, She has some really terrific articles about all different kinds of fermented foods, recipes, lots of great information. So if you're kind of new to getting healthy or getting rid of toxins in your life, that's a great place to go first and just get some additional information. Oh, that's good stuff. Thank you for mentioning foodrenegade.com. That's good stuff. All right, Hannah, where do people find you? What can you share with us about you and anything you're excited about? And I I have a feeling it might have something to do with that book that's dropping in March. That's right. Well, the Big Book of Kombucha, it's already available for pre-sale at your favorite local bookstore or online. All right. uh, it's, again, 400 pages, all about kombucha. It's We're covering everything. We have almost 300 flavoring inspirations, food recipes, of course, all the how-to. We really load you up with the information. Uh, and we will be on book tour next year, so definitely see, check out our page. We'll be putting up all the dates and where we'll be, so hopefully we'll get to meet a lot of you in person. And then, of course, you can always sign up for our free ebook If you're new to kombucha, fermentation you're not sure where to start go to kombuchacamp.com just and you know name an email address you get an email a day for five days walking you through it and here's the other great thing ella we also have kefir and jun so if kombucha isn't for you or you've already started with kombucha we do have other fermentation all living all living fermentation cultures available to get started with kefir and what Oh, yes. Jun, June. Um, so Jun is a raw honey green tea ferment. It looks very much like a kombucha culture, but it's uniquely adapted to work with the raw honey. So if sugar's not your thing and you've got a good supply of raw honey, because it can be a little pricey in some places, if you've got a good supply, it's a really delicious one to, to give a try. It's got a nice floral flavor and all that kind of honeyness comes through. Hannah, you can't just throw out something I've never <laughs> heard of in your last question. What is this June? So tell me how to spell it and I'll include it in the show notes. J-U-N. Oh, okay. Got it. And then give us the title of your book one more time. The Big Book of Kombucha. And then, of course, we're all over Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everything with Kombucha Camp, Camp with a K. We'd love to have you there and teach you all about what we're doing. All right, Hannah, this has been fun. Thank you so much for indoctrinating us and giving us the Kombucha 101. Well, thank you, Ella. Really had a great time chatting with you. All right. Catch you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. 
Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.